Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Know Your Gear Black Friday edition podcast. I think maybe we're starting a tradition where we're going to do them on Black Friday. We did last year. This is episode 290 uh, that we, we, we're doing today, and uh, I'm glad you guys are spending it with me as I'm looking to see... <laughs> What what just came in? I thought something. Okay. Uh, so uh, what's new and exciting? Lots of new stuff. We're going to talk about stuff. This is for those of us who either d- didn't do any shopping today or finished their shopping today. I spent my entire day editing. So uh, in fact, I was editing up until about one minute ago. So I was trying to get a video out uh, for preview. And uh, I think I'll do it, but I will get it done after the show. So what? Uh, what, what's going on? Well, obviously it's Black Friday, so there's a lot of stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about that and our weeks. Hope you guys that had holidays yesterday had a great holiday. Um, I, I, uh, got to work on uh, one of my own guitars, which was a nice treat. Uh, in fact, I, uh, and we, we went as a family, went out to the movies, we saw Black Panther and then we had a, you know, a dinner kind of thing and stuff. So it was pretty cool. All right. What are we going to do? Um, talk. Let's talk about gear. Uh, I don't have any early wire riser comments, I don't think. Did I grab some? I did. I grabbed one. So let's start with that. Let's start with this. Chris wants to know, so how did Dean Guitars lose a suit for using Gibson body shapes, but Nash and Sire can duplicate fender bodies without repercussion? Um, well, first of all, so you guys know, the Fender Strat, Fender Tele, Fender P-Bass, P those particular three body shapes. I'm not familiar with the Jazz uh, uh, Jaguar or Jazz Bass. Those also can be included. It's been a while since I've read the court case. I have it all printed out. Uh, uh, Fender lost a court case in, uh, I don't know when that was, 2005 sounds right. But again, it's been a while. It's been a year or two since I've read the court case. doesn't matter. Here's all you have to know. The Fender Strat, the Fender Strat body, and, and we, when I be, be, be very careful, the word Strat, Stratocaster, are trademarks. We're just talking about the shapes. The Fender shape of the Stratocaster, Fender shape of the Telecaster, Fender shape of the P-Base are public domain. They don't own those anymore. Nor do I don't think they end up own them at any one particular point. doesn't matter. The legal uh, part of it doesn't matter. All it matters is you can make a Strat-shaped uh, body. Now, Strat-shaped... You can't say the word Strat or Stratocaster, but you can make a Strat-shaped body. It's public domain. There's nothing you, uh, nothing, there's no issues there. So that's why those companies can do it. Gibson, of course, is trying to make sure that it doesn't happen to them as well. Um, we'll see. Uh, I kind of find, like I said, I've been on the record saying this, I kind of find a lot of that stuff silly. Uh, I use the analogy that I like for my... My, what I, which is what I say when, when I'm driving down the road, I drive a pickup truck. When I drive down the road, half the time, uh, in fact, it actually happened to me. It happened a few months ago. So it doesn't even matter how many times it actually happened. I parked into a parking lot, uh, at some store and somebody had did, you know how somebody does blackout on their vehicles where they black everything out. So it's like either a flat black or black and every logo is black. Somebody had a truck that was white, but they removed all the logos, all the markings off the truck and they made it streamlined, you know, and they, they, they filled it in. So it didn't look, it didn't look like a cheap truck. It looked like a really beautiful truck. Right. Um, but well, here's what's crazy. Uh, they changed the grill. Uh, <laughs> so there's no logos on the truck and I couldn't figure out what kind of truck it was. And here's the irony of this. Um, it was basically just like my truck. <laughs> 
it was it was the same brand as my truck different model but same brand as my truck but we couldn't figure it out so that tells you a whole lot with trucks when i'm driving down the road half the time when i'm looking at just pickup trucks and you can say this about cars when i'm driving down the road and look at pickup trucks without logos i'm almost lost looking at trucks because they look so similar so to me could you imagine if ford and chevy and gms well gmc is chevy uh, chevy and ford and dodge and toyota and 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 so on fought it out all the time maybe they do maybe i don't know but maybe but i mean fought it out about like your truck looks too much like my truck <laughs> so at this point uh to me the the trademarkable things that are important are obviously the headstock and ult ultimately the logo and whatever little styling details that kind of are I iconic to your instrument which let's face it to most of them there's not there's just the truck and the or just the uh, headstock and the logo so so all right um all right that's uh so that's the answer to your question it's that uh that's why they can get away with it because those are public domain um Yeah, so here's the funny part. Okay, uh, just reading some comments, man. So hopefully today I get to read more comments. All right. Um, okay, and let me get to the next question. I thought there was a couple other quick ones that came early. Let me see if I can grab them. Um, the uh, Kev with a V says, hey, Phil, does Harley Benton establishing a beachhead on reverb change the equation for U.S. consumers if returns are low hassle? I don't know. Uh, like I said, uh, my experiences with Harley Benton weren't so great overall. And that was as a, uh, I'll dare say, influencer interaction. And when I say that, like I said, it's not that it was no, it was bad. I couldn't get one fixed or replaced. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the here's the irony. I, I can't ever uh, unsay this or un, unthink this. Um, I was sent a Harley Benton guitar to review and share with you all. It came damaged. I uh, tell, told them it was damaged. It was obviously the headstock was cracked. And uh, here's the damage. And they had no uh, desire to replace it. Um, and so I couldn't review it unless I just, just said, Hey, here's a headstock that's broken from shipping. And, um, I always thought that was odd because I would always, I, you would think <laughs> based on what you guys always say, Hey, they picked you out a good one or they will, you know, they'll, they only treat, you know, they only treat you good. <laughs> and I always thought, man, if you guys are right, I guess you're screwed if you bought a Harley Benton because I couldn't get service, uh, no, with them knowing that it would, this, I'm telling people, I've told people many times. I mean, it's not because for any reason I have no ill will towards those people, the Harley Benton people. I, I like them. I like their guitars. I have highlighted their guitars many times. I've even put them on my top list of some of the best guitars for the price as a brand. I'm, I'm uh, as the guitars, I have I've never had an issue, but as, as a, uh, as someone who is, I've always been concerned. And so you guys know, I bought guitars from so many of these brands that even though they've sent guitars to me, because I'm like, oh, you guys want another one? I'd just buy it, put it on the channel, review it. I'm too afraid to buy a Harley Benton. Just being honest, won't buy one. I, I figure if I get one, it's damaged, I'm just screwed. I don't know what to tell you. So I'm not I'm not putting my money on the table for that. So I there you go. That's my answer. So would it change that uh, hassle-free? I have no idea. So I have no idea. So... 
There you go. You'd have to go back to old episodes if you want to know the whole story, what happened, how I ended up fixing the headstock. My wife gave the guitar away to, to a kid. Um, but uh, uh, And by the way, that wasn't the only one. There was two damaged in the... <laughs> so I had two guitars. Uh, and so a bass and a guitar that I obviously could never review or use anything for. Um, and uh, the only thing I could get them to... Uh, I couldn't get them to resolve that in any way. The only thing I could get was they kept sending me a bill for them, which I was like, well, they're broken. So not only can I not review them, you want me to pay, and they wanted me to pay full price. It was a really strange thing. It was a, it was a strange thing. In fact, I think, I think if I don't recall, I think if I don't recall, I don't think it's a way. I think if I do recall, and I'm, again, I'm doing off memory, and I don't want to say anything incorrect here, but I'm pretty sure... Because uh, the way it works in my world is uh, like invoices go to an accountant. I have a, we have an accountant, and they I think they they I want to say they put us in collections, but I don't think they put us in collections. I think they just send a nasty or not a nasty. They send an invoice to the accountant. I remember. I'll tell you why this is funny. I remember this, uh, and I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm kind of taking a second, please, because I don't want to say anything in inaccurate. I don't think it was collections. I don't think it was a nasty letter. I think they sent an invoice to the accountant, which is um, obviously, as you guys know, I have a, I own a couple companies. So I have a, a, an accountant that handles a lot of that stuff. And my YouTube life is a little different than my, I don't want to say real life, but my business life. And so in the YouTube world, I handle most stuff and I don't really uh, interact with a company. And somehow Harley Benton got the accountant's address and sent them a bill. And there was, was why this was interesting was um, the accountant called me. They never call me because <laughs> it costs you money to talk to your accountant. Um, so they called me to tell me that um, they didn't know what uh, they didn't know what this bill was for because it wasn't to any of the real business names to our real business names. It was all to this. Uh, I think it was made out to something weird like Know Your Gear, Phil McKnight or something, which isn't a company. Um, so anyway, so I just thought that was things weird. So that all being said, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Hopefully it would be better. I may, would I try and buy one off Reverb if I knew that could have better service? I would. I'd buy a Harley Benton then. I'd give it a try, a try. But after you guys do it, this time I'm not really up to trying to do it. <laughs> so the sad thing for... Um, Sean's like, how would Harley Benton know who your accountant is? Um, they may have, they may have, well, you, my accountant is, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> how would they know? They, they would probably find one of the LLCs if you knew what one of my LLCs were. And then the accountant's address would be on file because that's where all bills go to. Okay. We have an accountant that handles everything. I don't handle that stuff. I'm too dumb. No one was be, nobody would put me in charge of money. <laughs> okay um uh, okay hold on i oh, man, so many questions all over the place uh a lot of what's up what's up anyone buy anything cool for black friday i didn't buy anything for black friday and that okay um Sean, uh, Sean says, I don't like the Harley Benton is just basically someone doing shipments from Alibaba. Uh, yeah, I see how you say that. I, like I said, I am familiar with the Tolman, uh, uh, Harley Benton thing. And like I said, it is legit. They are using huge buying muscle 
to get those prices. There is no, there is no question about, uh, like I said, I don't, I'm not, if you notice everything I've ever said about Harley Benton, if I'm talking about the guitars, it's mostly been positive, 90% positive. If I've been talking about my experience interacting with, as a customer, it's not been as positive because again, those are reflective of the actual experience that I've had. So I, I could say, if you are thinking about buying a Harley Benton, the only concerns I have, or the only concerns I can tell you to pay, be, be aware of is shipping. Sometimes things get ship, shipped in damage and they don't seem to be the most spot on. They're not, their customer service is not to the level of, let's say some of the other big retailers that you're used to in the US. In my experience. But like I said, I like the people at Harley Benton and I like the people at Toman. So I don't know. They've been, they've been nice. Okay. <laughs> so many comments. Let's get to uh, let's let's stay back on track. Uh, what we have, we have uh, Frank says, "Hey Phil, new Guitar Day Player Plus Telly from Amazon during the fr during a fret polish found found poly on the frets on a maple fretboard. How can, is the best way to remove the poly?" Um, so it's really so much better when it's when it's lacquer nitro it's so much easier uh here's the issue i'm going to tell you not how to do it i'm going to tell you how i do it and i do not want you to do it the way i'm going to tell you okay so it'd be very clear i just need you to understand this how do i do it uh i have a a very sharp exacto knife obviously it's just an exacto knife but it's you know i have an exacto knife <laughs> And uh, I, I score them and, and then remove them. I score the sides. Um, sometimes I even heat the uh, blade lightly, um, almost like carterize, you know, the, the, but I don't know if that's necessarily important. I just saw somebody do it one time and I gave it a try and I liked it. That's how I do it. The problem is, I don't know if I would say like, yeah, give that a shot. I'm just telling you, like, if you took it to somebody, that's how I think well, not how I think. If you took it to me, as I took it to a repair tech or or a luthier, that's how I think they would do it. I wouldn't sand it off. I would literally just score it off and remove it. Um, I don't know if I would tell you to try that. But, you know, um, I just... So I don't have a trick. That's the sad thing. Sometimes if you notice a lot of my how-to videos, what's different about my how-to videos and a lot of how-to videos is... A lot of them are not how I do things. It's this idea of like, well, how would I have you do it if it was your first time doing it? And I kind of come at that approach. Um, in this case, I've never really worked it out to like, how would I instruct somebody to do it with minimal risk? Um, I don't know any other way to do it other than that way. I've never tried to do it any other way than that. Um, so that's how I do it. I don't recommend you try it. I recommend you take it to somebody or practice a few times on something else if you can until you get it right. Because uh, if you if you screw it up, you're going to start chipping. You're going to have pieces chipping off the fretboard. It's going to suck. Uh, Maddie, two hats. Now, what I will tell you, in most cases, it should have little to no effect over your playing of the guitar. Eventually, the strings just wear it off. And, uh, and you could tape off the fretboard entirely. Like, here's a, a solution that I think I'd be safe to tell you. Tape off the fretboard really, really well with painter's tape. So that all, all areas of the wood and finish on the wood are 100% protected. And then use a light sandpaper, something like 400 grit, and then 400 grit sand those frets. 
uh, sand the material off those frets. That would probably be a safer way to go. And then uh, just try to sand it down. And then obviously you'll know when you're hitting the metal and then use something to polish them up. Uh, uh, you know, you can use steel wool or you can use micro mesh or something like that and just polish those frets back up. That would be a much safer, easier way to go with more minimal risk. Uh, and, uh, probably that might even be the right way to do it. I just know that what that way takes a lot more time than I do it. And a lot of repair weight methods I use, um, are based on like, how can I get the best quality at the fastest time? Cause I don't want to spend a whole day doing something if it doesn't pay, you know, more than a couple hours wage, obviously. Um, Okay, uh, Maddie Two Hats says, "Hey Phil, any recommendations for a Les Paul Junior style guitar mid level? Also, would uh, look weird if I put a humbucker in it." Um, well, it's funny, you know, we talk about Harley Benton; they make a great Les Paul Junior style guitar. I like theirs. I liked uh, Epiphones; was really good. Those are the only two I really kind of played that I really think of that I liked. And no, it doesn't. I don't think it look weird if you put a humbucker in it. Whether you put a uh, a P90 shaped humbucker, or if you try to pull it out and try to, you know, do some funny routering, put a pickup frame and put a humbucker in it. Anyway, no, that's a great guitar. You know, there's something about, you know, like, again, and I'm not a big car guy, but in the car industry, there's rat rods, right? <laughs> or not car industry, but in car collecting, right? That's the whole thing. There's these fancy uh, vintage cars. And then if you go to the car shows, like I've been to a few, you know, as a novice walking around and I know that the rat rods are. To me, there's certain guitars. And I think of that, uh, you know, as like the Les Paul Jr., Les Paul Light, uh, or I should say Les Paul Jr. Um, and uh, like there's certain, not lower price guitars, just stripped down guitars that are stripped down that I think are make the best like Frankenstein rat roddy kind of things you can do to them, do something crazy to them. In fact, I actually say, so I'm so lame to say this, but I think it would be cool if like some company did that, you know, instead of making relic guitars, you know, do something like that. Instead of doing this, it seems like everybody wants to do a relic guitar is a cool thing, or they want to do this like combination of like, we put a jazz neck or our telly neck on a jazz body, you know, or something like that. To me, I'm like, I think it'd be cool if, you know, you see like a, a an Epiphone, like a one one P90 Epiphone uh, with somebody had, you know, it looks like, you know, just looks like somebody ripped it out and stuck a super distortion humbucker in there, <laughs> you know, and a kill switch or something, you know, and just did it really cool. I think that'd be cool to not only do it, but I think it'd be cool if companies did it too and just emulated that. Uh, I think there's something cool about that, just in my opinion. So... Uh, I love that idea. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, hold on. I'm just reading some comments and questions. Oh, see, Stefan said in Germany, you can't complain about uh, Toman customer service. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, you know, it's funny. I know Toman, I know Harley Benton is Toman, and I kind of equate, I don't equate that because I've had, I bought things from Toman, and I've never had a problem. I've only had a problem when I bought Harley Benton, or like I said, when they wanted reviews, which, you know, I don't know. Remember, and, I, and I've said this before, it could have been part of the problem because it been they didn't like my reviews. <laughs> so, so why help me make more of them? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 
who knows? Who knows? Uh, okay. Um, uh, what, that's what happens. I don't know the answers. It's a mystery. Uh, Alex says, hey, took your advice last week, got a soldering iron uh, to reattach my Ibanez RG220B input jack or output jack, depending on how you want to say that. Uh, but the jack only has one wire. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> your video show two to three stripped. There's no such thing as a one wire jack. It's impossible. Uh, one small wire wrapped in uh, metal strands. Right, so what it is, is the metal strands are the second wire. Uh, again, I'm going without looking at it. So internally, uh, Alex, what you're gonna have is the internal wire, which will probably be cloth braided in black. Um, it will be, that will be the hot. And then the metal wire around that, or the metal uh, shielding, whatever you wanna call that, wrap, we'll call it a wrap, wrap around that is the second wire, that's the ground. Um, so what I would uh, suggest that you look at is a Gibson style pickup uh, two conductor. So write this down, Alex, two conductor Gibson style pickup. Uh, just type that into Google. You'll see what probably looks like what you're, you're looking at, which is this braided metal braided wire. The metal braiding is the ground and, um, and the center is the hot. And uh, from that, you should be able to find either a diagram or just pictures on Google Images on how you want to solder that up. It's pretty simple. It's a little bit more of a pain in the ass when you do the output jack with that kind of cable or that kind of wire. And uh, But it's still very, very, very straightforward. Um, and not that I want your project to get deeper and deeper, but if you have trouble, you can always just get two wires. You can order uh, or just get some wire and then just you know, make a hot in the ground. Essentially, you just need a hot in the ground, man. That's it's super easy. But I understand why you're looking at it. You're like, hey, wait a minute. What the hell is this? This is just one wire. It's actually two. Uh, it's just how that wire is done. The Like I said, the ground is outside of it. It's the sleeve, the metal sleeve. I hope that helps. Todd Tech says, for a cheap bottle of holiday whiskey, cheers, bro. Cheap holiday whiskey. You know, it's funny. I had a, um, I had a, a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny thing happened at the Costco. It's not that funny, but it was just weird. It was a weird thing that happened at the Costco. Um, we had went uh, last week. Well, my wife and I, she asked me to go to the Costco with her. We go to Costco. Um, Ralph, as you guys know, my buddy Ralph likes to pop over on Saturdays. And uh, he just kind of, you know, pops over and we use it. Sometimes we have barbecue. Sometimes we'll go out to dinner. Sometimes, you know, we work. Sometimes we watch, you know, Blues Brothers again, whatever it is. And um, he likes to, uh, the first thing he likes to do is he likes to make himself a um, old fashioned. And uh, we, we've bought expensive whiskeys. We bought all these whiskeys uh, during COVID. Ralph and I were experimenting, trying all these whiskeys, expensive ones. And I'm just going to let you guys know how, how crazy he got. I mean, we bought some really crazy expensive whiskeys, okay? And uh, uh, I'm not a big whiskey person. <laughs> So it's like, it's okay. It's like, I like whiskey. Okay. Um, but he likes it. And what he ended up liking was Woodford. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, what's funny is I call it the soccer mom size bottle. They make a big bottle and they sell it at Costco. It's like 50 bucks for this giant, looks like a giant cologne bottle. Right? It's huge. I don't know how many, I don't know how many ounces are in it, but it's huge. And, um, and he, he likes it more than anything else. And to be honest with you, it's like, it's not cheap. I don't know if it's cheap whiskey. It's just not as expensive as some of the crazy ones we were buying when we were trying different whiskeys. And, uh, 
couple of weeks ago, he came over and we were out and I didn't notice. And I felt really bad. You know, he's like, oh, there's no whiskey in the cabinet. And I'm like, oh, there's not. I'm like, oh, OK. Uh, I didn't know. So when we were at Costco, uh, I went to pick one up and I thought, you know, I'm kind of in charge of making sure the whiskey's in the cabinet. That's like my thing. And uh, I go, I, I don't want to mess this up. So I bought, I grabbed two of these giant, I mean, they're freaking huge, man. I don't know how to equate it to a size in the, in the show uh, of how big they are, but they are, they're huge. They look like, they look like whiskey bottles you'd buy from Costco, right? They're huge. And um, so I bought two of them and they're in the cart and uh, you know, they're, they're ringing us up at the cash register and the lady just out of nowhere goes, the, the cashier out of nowhere goes, two bottles of Woodford whiskey? Wow. <laughs> and I thought it was like she was being funny. But then I realized like when we were putting, you know, we were walking to get, you know, you're inspected so you can leave the place. I started laughing. I looked at my wife. I go, I think she was judging us. I think that was like a really? really? <laughs> so I, I was like, and my wife's like, oh, she was definitely judging you. She thought, she, and I was like, yeah. I'm like, is that, a, a, am I buying too much? And, I, and then I go, wait, how does she know it's it's Thanksgiving? How does she, for all she knows, I'm having a party and that's why I need this. Or maybe I'm just going to douse the turkey in it. She doesn't know. And then I was like, who is she to start judging me for buying two giant bottles of whiskey the week before Thanksgiving? I mean, I understand if it was like in June, that would just look like you're really, you know, maybe have a problem. But I'm like, you know, it's a holiday. Like, you know, you can buy a, a bunch of whiskey on a holiday. And then I was, I just like, I'm told my wife, I go, I feel like I'm going to turn around and go back to the cashier and be like, so what's the deal? Why can't I buy a bunch of <laughs> big old bottles of whiskey? So anyways, so I got these. So anyways, this is why the story's funny. It's still not funny. But what is interesting to me is uh, then Saturday, last Saturday, uh, Ralph came over and he opens the cabinet and he's like, holy crap. Because <laughs> he's, he's just chewed two giant bottles of whiskey and he's like, all right. He's like, are you drinking a lot of whiskey now? And I go, no, they're for you. Um, I just don't want to run out again. It's kind of like why I have two propane tanks, right? It's like one, if one empties, my thought is now like with the propane tank, when one tank goes empty, I put the new tank on and then I go have the, the other tank exchange. So I always have a backup. I have a backup bottle of whiskey. <laughs> so there's, I don't know why I'm talking about that. I apologize everybody. It is Black Friday. I just, I'm going to talk about guitars. Uh, anyways, thank you, Todd, for the, for the, uh, for the, for the bottle of whiskey. Uh, uh, Voodoo Fist says, Hey, Phil, will you be doing best gear of 2022 video in December and any predictions of cool gear coming in 2023? Um, I probably will. Uh, I'm working on right now updating the, uh, my favorite guitar lists, you know, because of the inflation and the world's changed and all these, I have all these videos that are just so dated, which is really you know, one thing about creating these kind of videos are those kind of videos really, really hammers home how much the world has changed in a short time. You know, I did videos five years ago and they held up, <laughs> you know what I mean? They were holding up fine. And videos I did just a year and a half ago are not holding up as well because people click on them and they're like, you can't buy that for that price. That doesn't even make sense what you're saying. And uh, so I, I got to update those. That's one of them. So yeah, best of 20 uh, best gear of 2022, uh, and then predictions for 2023 cool gear. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I have any predictions right now. 
of what I think is going to happen. I have a video that I that's an editing 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 today that I'm trying to work out a title for. I think I want to title it something like um, our brand names, you know, paying attention to like Harley Benton or something like that, because this is really interesting guitar I came across that's, uh, you know, really interesting. It's a really interesting guitar I came across. So uh, my prediction is, yeah, so uh, I don't know if I want to do a prediction 2023 video, but I'll talk about it here on the show. So the 2022 video recap thing, and I, I think I'll do for sure. 2023 predictions is simple. I think uh, uh, companies will be reacting, of course. Look, the economy is changing. And is, as it as it ebb and flows, right? It's going to go up and down and it moves around. And then, of course, but more importantly, the boom is over. And that's really the more important thing, uh, more so than anything else. Because no matter how you feel about what you think the economy is going to do or not do, we, we just have to get, we all just have to agree on the easy part, which is the boom is over. And because the boom was over, that was so effortless to sell product. And so a lot of companies are going to have to go back to the old days of working to sell product again, because it was pretty much an effortless um, a gig for two years. So... I think the whole you get what you get and you don't throw a fit attitude that they've been running on for two years, they're going to have to adjust that real fast. So it's going to be, what can they give you that's interesting and cool for the price point? And uh, I think 2023 will be the first time you start seeing that stuff, you know, um, a lot for your money again. You know what I mean? Uh, some in the idea that maybe you'll be like, it's not that I think prices will come down. I just think that there'll be a little bit more effort put out to get our attention. So, okay, you guys are still talking about whiskeys. Uh, Kevin C says, hey, Phil, happy Friday. Will PRS ever make a production Telecaster style guitar? My prediction on that, are we doing predictions now? Is absolutely yes, they will. My prediction is that Paul Reed Smith guitars will continue on the trend that they've been doing now, which is to make a product that everybody else makes and the idea that, in hopes that the PRS branding on that product will give it an elite kind of feel. So it's like, we make a Strat, but our Strat is better than everybody else. We make a Les Paul, but our Les Pauls is better than theirs. We make a Marshall, but our Marshall's better than theirs. We, we make a Mesa Boogie, but we make a better Mesa Boogie than Mesa Boogie. Um, that's kind of the logic, right? We make an affordable acoustic, but our affordable acoustics, acoustics better. We make a, you know, um, and we make a telly, but our telly's better. I think that's kind of the logic. We make a pickup, but our pickup's better. That seems to be the branding message that I I kind of glean from all the stuff they've been doing for the last couple of years is, uh, you know, we make a, you know, look at how they do it. We make a pedal, but we make it better than everybody else. And that's really like their messaging. And, and uh, you know... It is what it is. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting. And I think they'll do that for as long as they can. I think there's a lot of money to be made in that. And I think it's pretty easy because think about this for a second. Think about it like in a logical sense. You already want a Telecaster. So many players want Telecasters, Stratocasters, Les Pauls, Marshalls. I mean, these are products. These are proven products with proven histories of huge success in, in the guitar communities, uh, musicians buying these things. So you can imagine, all they got to do is go, look, they already buy all these things. How can we put our branding on those things and then make it make sense? And uh, um, there, there you go. Uh, that's the, I'm sure that's the idea. 
So uh, until, until, uh, I don't know. I don't know. My guess is they'll do that until they can't. <laughs> that's, that's their, that's the, yeah. So, uh, Brian says someone should copy the PRS 594 just to get Paul's goat. They did. It's called Gibson. They made that guitar originally. <laughs> so I don't think anyone's made a copy of a PRS guitar. I don't know if you can. I know like some people think like a, a, a remember a, a PRS's core guitar, the custom 24, custom 22 is really a copy of either a Hamer or a double cut Gibson. I mean, that's really where that kind of comes from. So it's already from, it already has lineage. Remember we talked about this last weekend, the whole grandfather theory, right? Like, you know, this is the grandfather product. And then from then there's lineage and there was no existence before that. There's no PRS product that I can think of that exists without some version of it being out there before from another brand already. Not that I can recall. I'm trying to think of what it is that's out there that's totally like no one saw that before. Yeah, I can't think of it. I mean, there's stuff he did uh, technology-wise, and there's stuff he did to guitars that I think was groundbreaking and innovative. But so you guys know, he's mostly removed most of that stuff. He's not doing that stuff anymore. Like I said, most of the stuff that made PRS very unique in the 80s and 90s, that's not the stuff they still put in guitars now. They Because they, they realized that that that's not what customers are buying. Again, like I said earlier, it's customers are already buying these products. Why don't we just make the products that customers are buying? So that's the easy part. Um, yeah, this means like PRS has a guitar. Or Harley Benton has a guitar that looks PRS. Yeah, a lot of companies have a guitar that looks like a PRS. But like I said, PRSs to me always look like double cut Gibsons are Hamers. Um, I mean, that was pretty much, you know, there you go. Um, all right, let's go to the next one, which is Mitch says, uh, thankful for your, uh, your insights each week. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, it's the, uh, it's, uh, I'm thankful for, uh, well, a lot of things, <laughs> but I'm, I'm thankful for having a, this show on Fridays. It's pretty cool. Thankful for uh, hanging out with you guys. Um, thankful for my family. I'm thankful that my wife now handles, uh, Instagram. I don't know if you guys noticed if you guys, I always told you guys, I don't do Instagram. And then my, uh, I, I basically have a couple people now doing a couple things for me to kind of help me stay focused on making content since the other, my other business ventures are now dominating so much of my person of that time. I don't want to say personal time, some of my time that I, if you guys notice all of a sudden I gapped out a couple of weeks this year where I didn't make any content for over a week or so or a week and a half. And I kind of like, okay, I told him, I said, I don't want that to happen again. I don't want to not make videos. This is something I enjoy doing. And so to make that happen, we had to divvy up some of the, the, uh, the responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities was all the other social media stuff. And, um, which I was horrible at anyways. So now, uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's a, it's a cool gig. I, I, I don't, I, I kind of, uh, if you haven't noticed, if you want to follow on Instagram now, what she does is she either does content or she tells me what content she would like me to make. 
So it's really cool. Uh, and she's come up with stuff I would have never thought of, which is really, really cool. I mean, she comes up with stuff that you guys, I think, would ask me to do, but I never thought to ask you guys. Because <laughs> she was, because uh, she just comes up and she goes, do this. And I go, why would I want to do that? She goes, I think, I think people want to see that. You know, it's kind of like the behind the scenes of what's going on. So more of that stuff. So, uh, so that's really cool. Um, uh, so, uh, that's, uh, so that's obviously I'm thankful for that because, uh, very cool. And, uh, and I think I'll actually end up getting some really cool video content on YouTube out of it because she's, she's already made me do stuff that I go, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't, I've already, I come back to her and I go, maybe that shouldn't be a one minute video on Instagram. Maybe I should do a full video on YouTube about that. And so that's kind of cool. All right. Ho, ho, hops, hops and barley. Hops and barley says, love the bones of my HB pro telly, but hate the pickups. Any suggestions for replacements? Uh, has humbuckers and coil split tap. Thanks. I, you know, it's tough because I don't have a ton of information right there, right? You're not telling me like, what kind of music do you want? You know, do you want to be versatile? I mean, there's so many great humbuckers. That's what's that's what's fantastic. I mean, you could go with simple something as simple as a JB and a 59 or JB and a jazz set would sound fantastic. Um, you know, I like a tone pro in the uh, tone pros in the bridge. If you go DiMarzio and maybe an Air Norton in the neck or a, P, or a PATH. I'm always going to call it the PATH. The PATH in the neck uh, when it's a DiMarzio, by the way. Um, and uh, and um, and then I like the the mule set by. Uh, by Bare Knuckles, that's one of my favorite sets of pickups. Those are fantastic, uh, fantastic. I look, I'm a broken record here when it comes to pickups, and that's really the depressing part because I think sometimes because you guys know I have a huge collection of pickups and I make pickups that you know you're, there's uh, they're always looking for this insight, and I I find my attitude about pickups is pretty simple, which is I like PAF style pickups. There's something musical about that type of pickup. You know, it's it's very interesting to me that basically the first stuff out becomes the right stuff, and um, and I've played so many so many people's version of a PF that I can honestly tell you, like a like a tube screamer. Let's just keep it simple. If you told me there's the original tube screamer, like Maxon tube screamer, uh, let's say the TS9. Let's keep it easy, or the 808. I don't, but we'll say to it TS9. There's a ton of versions of that pedal out there. And there's some that go a little bit further out than the original, and but most of them are kind of close to the original with a variation. I, if I was to tell you that I love tube screamers, then I by by that definition, I I like most of the variations of it. That's how I feel about PAF pickups. I love the '59 era, '57 era PAF style pickups um, by Gibson. I like Gibson pickups. Absolutely. I don't have a single Gibson guitar with a pickup that's not a Gibson pick. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. I, all my Gibsons, but one Gibson have Gibson style pickups, except for my SG, which has a set of Northern lights in it. But, but other than that, other than that, they all have uh, Gibson pickups as I'm a huge Gibson uh, fan. I like Gibson pickups. Um, I liked them better when they weren't as expensive. They've been ramping up over the years. They were a lot, a lot more exciting when they were as an expensive, uh, as an expensive pickup. Um, so that being said, I, I'm, I'm always interested in somebody's take on the PAF style pickup. I really think most players could be happy with a PAF style pickup. 
The only time I don't think you'll be happy with it is if you're looking something for something more aggressive. And then you definitely have to go, you know, something that's going to be in the lineage of the super distortion or something like that, or the JB, which is more aggressive pickups. But if you're not looking for aggressive pickups, look at 59 style pickups and, and use, use what I'm talking about. Use the anatomy of that pickup and don't worry about uh, the brand. Um, look, somebody makes a 59, somebody makes a $49 version of a 59 pickup and it's pretty good. I've, I've tried them all. I did a review on a company that was doing some import ones out of the UK. I think it was like a hundred dollars for the set. I did that video and that's why I did it. Cause I was curious. I'm always curious to see uh, how cheap can you make a PAF? How expensive can you make a PAF style pickup? Uh, it's just a really great stounding pickup. Has really great upper harmonic tones. It has, um, and like a Tube Screamer, where the Tube Screamer has an issue, the, the PFs have an issue, which, which, which is why sometimes I like variations of them that have a little bit more of something I like. All right. I'm trying to read comments, guys. Yeah, Seymour Duncan does a good job. And of course, uh, you know, I mean, that's what's great. There's so many great pickups. Um, and don't forget use pickups. I just, you know, I did, uh, like I, like I said, talk about Instagram. My wife posted a picture, uh, which again, I had never thought to do this before. So I bought a new Gibson Les Paul. I bought, when I say new, new to me, I bought this 2008. I'm pointing out a 2008. Uh, I bought this 2008 uh, Les Paul. This is a dream Les Paul for me. Carter's Vintage Guitars had it on their website. I like Carter's Vintage Guitars. I like the guys there. And uh, I saw it one night. Uh, it was seven pounds, eight ounces for this guitar. Super light. And I already f familiar with it because uh, Gibson Les Paul classics from 2005, 2006, 2008, I've picked them up and I found ones that were light. It's probably because they're, excuse me, probably because they're weight relieved in the idea that they have those holes drilled in them, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how they did it. I don't care. I just like the idea that my Les Paul feels not like a bowling ball and like a, like a brick. And, um, one of the things that I want to do is put some classics in it, some 57 classics in it. And I want to change a couple things on it. And so I went to uh, Sweetwater and um, I uh, bought a bunch of stuff, including they had two demo returned. They had a 57 Classic Plus and a 57 Classic Neck Bridge. Uh, it's Neck or Bridge, it doesn't matter. And they were both like 20, 30% off, you know, because they were demo. And so I bought them. And, uh, and anyways, I had it all lay on my desk and my wife took a picture and that's when she posted it on Instagram. And, and uh, you guys, I it went crazy because I thousands of views. I was like shocked that you guys were so interested. I was like, oh, never occurred to me you'd be interested that I was doing something behind the scenes. And um, reason I tell you the story is because of what I'm saying, which is uh, I could care less if they were used. I, I You know, that's the great thing about pickups. Um I, I like pickups the same way I like speakers. The, the more they get used, I think the better they sound. I think they're better 10 years old than they are when they're new. Um, I think as the magnets soften, uh, I think as it, you know, uh, I think it gets better. So um, definitely don't be afraid to try used pickups too, as long as you, you know, buying from a reputable source, uh, you know, somebody that's a trusted seller and knows what they're talking about. So consider those options. Uh, Woody Stims says, when will PRS make a better flying V? Well, if I was going to guess, I don't know. I don't think they would make a flying V. It's possible. Here's what I, like I said, here's what I think about 
like I said, what I would imagine their business model for the next decade is going to be. Like I said, everything that's selling well, Les Pauls, Strats, Tellys, Marshalls, Tube Screamers, Klons, like anything that's selling well, PRS is going to make a version of that because why not? It's the, hey, they're already buying this. Let's stick our logo on it. And our, our logo represents quality. So therefore, we're just putting a quality seal on a product they're already buying. What I won't imagine they would be doing is anything innovative. If you look at them, you look at guitar companies like Ormsby or uh, mayonnaise, 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 sorry, uh, uh, mayonnaise, Ormsby, um, uh, Comparison, um, uh, Aristides, I'm trying to think more, you know, up uh, Strandberg, uh, you know, there's a ton of them like this. When I think of those companies, I think of companies trying different things, fan fret systems, stainless steel frets. Um, they're trying to innovate a little bit or at least keep up with innovation. You, you know, again, I'm not saying they've even, you know, created anything. They just understand what's co coming, what players are kind of gravitating towards and how to get youth players and what the youth players are interested in they seem to be on the edge of grabbing that. When I look at PRS, like they're definitely, PRS seems to be, and I mean this, like I said, this is just as, a, as, as, as just somebody like you guys, just assessing the market that I see. I see them doing the same business strategy Fender and Gibson are doing right now, which is how do you cash in on the, on the boomers and the Gen Xers, right? That's the strategy. It's just like Fender going, how do we cash in? Okay, what a what does a boomer and a Gen X uh want? Well they don't wanna they don't wanna lift a heavy amp up. Okay, so we need to make an amp that's really heavy. Well they're like, well, you know, like we'll make a digital amp that's not really heavy. And like, well, wait a minute, you know, we don't have to make that because there's already tons of companies that make digital products that are super easy. Yeah, but those are confusing. Just keep it easy and make it one amp. Like it's it's um it's a strategy that they're that they're smart to take. Um, same thing with a lot of companies. They just look at what, what it is that we want and they're just selling it to us. You know, what do they want? Oh, they want the thing they ever had. Let's recreate that the exact way that it was. So I, uh, I, uh, I think that's kind of like what they'll keep, they'll keep leaning into is how to do that, how to, how to be a part of that. And I think a ton of other companies are going to learn about, are going to worry about the innovation thing, but so the reason I ask you, or reason I say that about the V and stuff is I just can't imagine PRS or, or, or any of those guys really worrying about something new or different. Now, when I say kind of, because I don't know, a V is an old style guitar. So, I mean, when they make a V because it's an old style Gibson style guitar, maybe, I don't know. That's just my assessment of what I see, what I keep seeing them do. That's based on everything I keep seeing them do. Um, music therapy Laz, what's up? Hey, Phil, we finally, we will, wait, what? Will we finally meet up at NAMM 2023? Uh, if we means, uh, me, <laughs> then no, I'm not going to go to 2023 NAMM. I'm never going to go to a NAMM show again. Uh, I didn't go to last year's NAMM show. Um, the NAMM, I, I, you know, the NAMM show is like a lot of things that will limp on probably for a long time. But the problem for me is in the business arena that I work in, there's nothing for me at the NAM business to do. And because there's nothing business to do, it's just there to go, it would be there to go goof off. And uh, 
I don't, I don't need to go there to goof off. <laughs> uh, my logic is, uh, in fact, even my wife was like, are you going to go? You're going to go? And I told her, I go, I don't have any real reasons to go. Um, not for a YouTube channel, not for any of the other endeavors we do. There's no real, real reason to be there. Um, I spend, so you guys know, I spend uh, two, three, four. Why do I say it like that? Let's just say two or three days a week, I'm on at least two or three Zoom calls a day for business. And uh, there's no reason. <laughs> you know, I've even have companies sometimes like, why don't we fly out? And I'm like, why don't we just Zoom call it? Well, we're good. This is the future now. We can Zoom call this. We don't have to, you don't have to do that. Um, and the same thing with NAM show. I don't really need to go to the NAM show to see physical product anymore. Um, most of the companies that I like aren't even going anymore. And um, you know, and I think to myself, uh, I, I said this last year, I went to the Sweetwater event instead of NAMM show last year. That's what I ended up doing. Um, and I'll probably do something. I won't do Sweetwater next year, but I'll do something similar to that. I might say, instead of going to NAMM show, maybe I'll fly out to a factory, um, which is, I went to two factories this year. So same thing. I'd rather go to factories. I'd rather go somewhere, uh, that's, you know, like that for me. So before I would go to the NAMM show, I would, uh, you know, go somewhere else. <laughs> go check out something else. Go check out some gear. Um, uh, Octopus Ear says, have you tried the HRDX, HDRX? Oh, I keep forgetting how to change the name. So you guys know it's called the HD. It's so confusing now to me because it originally wasn't called that, right? But they got a cease and desist. So PRS got a cease and desist. I forgot for what. Was it Fender or was it Hendrix? Somebody ceased and desist them. They had to change the name. Um, it might not even been those two companies I mentioned, but I remember they had to change the name. So I have trouble remembering what it is now. So it's the HDRX, but it was originally called something else. HDRX 20 yet. Have I tried it yet? I have not. Uh, PRS was going to send one out. They decided not to uh, send one out, which is fine. Uh, so I haven't tried it. My guess without trying it is it's going to be exactly or something like the, the Marshall Origin amps. That would be my logic is it's a, it's designed to be a price friendly plexi-esque style amplifier. Right. And, uh, um, but changed, right. Cause that's the whole thing. It's not exactly like the plexi. That's the whole, like it's got a master volume and things like that. I feel like it, like the way my hat looks weird. All right. Um, and, um, so I haven't tried it, but like I said, they were going to send one out, but they decided not to. So, uh, and I have no desire, like I said, to buy one. Um, unfortunately, because I already have amps like that and, uh, like the, like the dirty Shirley and I can tell you right now, nothing's going to take the bad cat, you know, spot. So, um, but if I ever come across one, maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, like I, 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 I don't know, like I said. I, I kind of picture it to be like more like the Marshall origin. Uh, uh, music therapy lads is saying he has fun at the NAMM show. Yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure it's fun. Look, I, 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 the NAMM show, I always had fun at the NAMM show, but it was always work. <laughs> so, uh, so that's why I said it's work, it's business and fun, which is great. But now there's just not a lot of business, uh, you know, I liken this, I liken the NAMM show is, and I mean, I mean, it's going to, I'm not trying to insult anyone. The NAMM show still has a purpose. There's still a benefit to a NAMM show. There's a lot going on there. But to me, 
I'm in a digital medium most of the time. You know, I don't, I, everything I do is in the digital world. So it's just not, a, it's, NAM is not conducive to the digital world. So. Oh, okay. Sean says Line 6 had beef with them because it was called the HX. Okay. So you know what? Thank you, Sean. Uh, that I think it was Line 6. I just remember they said they had to change the name. And I was like, oh, uh, somebody at PRS was telling me they had to change the name. This is like a year ago or so when they had to change the name. So that makes sense that they had to change it. And that's why I have trouble remembering what it is because I remember it was a different name and then it changed. So. Uh, JJ Grew says, have you ever heard of a PRS EVH prototype? I have not. I've played a bunch of prototype amps. I played, um, PRS had a prototype amp or a couple prototype amps that are designed to be pedal platform amps where you just they're clean and you just shove pedals in front of them uh which is why when they came out with the pedals i would i thought that made sense that it, one would be like you know a clon style pedal because then you could plug it into their clean amp but who knows if that you know that's the thing about prototype stuff i mean you get to see it sometimes but most of it never ever sees the you know never sees the you know the, the, the never sees the market okay uh, Grumpy Guitar Mike says, I love the GIFs video. Folks don't often think about stuff like that as a great graph for the players. Yeah, he's talking about this. Thanks, Grumpy Mike. This is, uh, this week's video was, um, GIFs that, uh, you can use to, uh, basically build skills. And, um, you know what that was? What was great about that was, uh, Stu Mac, I, I, I had promised, <laughs> I kind of felt bad. I was looking at the, you know, the calendar going, oh man, it's getting kind of late in the year. I had promised you guys when we did the Stu Mac promotion where you guys bought in and got the deal to get free freight and discounts on kits and stuff. I said, oh, and I'll do some videos on that. And then I started looking at the calendar going, oh my God, I haven't really done a lot of videos on that. And I go, okay, let me get, let me get a kit video going. Uh, and then I was looking at the kits and their, their prices were crazy good. I was very shocked to see how good the prices are on the kits. Um, probably cause you know, a lot of companies are overstocked right now. Maybe they have stock to, to make deals. But the mini telly kit for $99, I was trying to convince my wife to buy it to do a kit. I go, you should build a telly. You should make a mini telly. She didn't want to do it. Um, and so I, I'm doing the telly kit. Uh, and so you guys know, I'm be doing that video on a, a telly bid video. And then, um, and uh, and uh, so that's why I want to do that uh, video. Plus, I always do a Christmas gifts or holiday gifts video, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, and uh, I always kind of come up with a new angle. And, and I thought this year, I'm like, you know, I really kind of want to do stuff where people make stuff um, because the fact I think everybody just spent the last couple of years buying everything like crazy. So after a while, it's like, OK, what can we do now instead of what can we buy? I think there's a lot of what can we do? Which is why I'm probably not out shopping today. <laughs> okay. Um Matthew says, hey, today I drove to town for a Black Friday TV and came home with a bass guitar. Money well spent. Yes. <laughs> it's great as long as no one complained when you got home. Could you imagine the family's like, we can't watch you play bass? You're like, yes, you can. You're gonna watch me play bass. <laughs> they were like, great. Uh bass is better than TV. Yeah, I, I, um, I didn't get anything from Black Friday. Isn't that funny? I get in that. So I bought parts. I bought some parts, but I did that earlier in the week. Had nothing to do with that. 
Uh, Zubin, what's up? He says, hey, Phil, change strings on two different guitars, action higher at the 12th fret with buzzing, same strings as before, cold weather, or needs restring. No, no, I, I'm sure it's because your neck's adjusted. I mean, could it be the cold wa weather? Sure, of course. There's a lot of things that can factor in to, uh, you know, when you change strings. Guitars are just, they're fun that way. Some guitars, uh, you know, you can change the strings. I mean, I've taken guitars where I took the strings off. Uh, let's say a ga 10 gauge set of strings, took it off, let it sit with no strings for seven, eight months, put strings on it and it was fine. I've had guitars where I've took strings off and five minutes later, put the strings, new strings on and now everything needs to be adjusted. Is that the weather? Sure. Is it the environment? Possible. Is it the guitar neck? Could be. It's just all those factors. It's, you know, remember these things were once alive once, so they're they're not as, you know, as consistent as a piece of metal or a piece of, you know, I want to say plastic, but I think even plastic, you know, it's kind of weird that way. But yeah, sometimes you have to make adjustments. Um, Gas Addict says, where do I buy LPD pedals? I'll jump on one. You can go to pedally.com. Uh, uh, you can go to LPD pedals and buy direct, or you can go to Reverb. And uh, it's funny, you think I should buy them. If I buy them direct, I buy them direct, but I always buy everything from Reverb. I don't know what that is. I, I buy, even when I buy from music stores, I'll tend to buy on Reverb. The only time, and I don't know if Lawrence, I would imagine, I'm guessing, I could be totally wrong, but you could check. I would imagine if you go to LPD's pedal website and buy off the website, there's no sales tax on that. I wouldn't imagine he would qualify to have to charge you sales tax, but I could be wrong. Everybody's different. Every business is different in how it works. But uh, from my understanding of the of the world, uh, you should be able, you could should be able to go buy a pedal off there and save yourself the sales tax versus buying it from a retailer or Reverb. So there you go. All right, how are we doing? Well, we're doing good. Guitar Tab Daily says, do you still do Sharpen My Axe series? We, like I said, we, we're, we have some coming, but really what we did was we melted them into the Deep Dive series. And everybody has mis, you know, mixed feelings about that, but without a doubt, the Deep Dive series is producing a better result than the Sharpen My Axe series did, for sure. Um. And it's a little easier. And so the question is, you know, I don't know. Like, like I said, I think I think the problem is everybody's going to have a different opinion about this. Me, I don't look at my reviews as reviews anymore. Like when I look at the format and the way I review something, it's not even really a review. It's more like a everything you'd ever want to know about this particular product kind of, you know, how do you adjust this? What kind of you expect it? You know, what is the goods, the bads of this? And how would you address, uh, address that? Um, so... I don't know, but that's the idea. Uh, hold on. Hold on a second. Just looking for a question. Oh, 
Fred says you are correct. He did not charge tax. Yeah, I don't think he has to. So uh, Blackstock Pickups website doesn't have to collect tax. We have two other business websites. They don't have to collect the sales tax. Um, and then we have another business website that goes online in January. And unfortunately, that one does have to charge sales tax. So there's all kinds of reasons why you do and do not have to do it. Depends on everything. So, and again, like I've pointed out earlier today, I don't handle that stuff. I just know like sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And there's a reason for it. And it's usually someone who's in charge of the accounting. Why? Okay, so. Uh, oh, I'm not old. I'm vintage. Says I shop on Reverb and I try to then go to the local site and order by phone to help avoid uh, reverb fees. I'll do that too. Um, I do it, like I said, I will go, I will check sometimes like Eddie's guitars will be on. Like here's, I think there's a good store to say, like I went they're on reverb. I go, I'll go to their website. I go to their web website. Sometimes they'll charge less on their website. You gotta, sometimes you have to go to a website and it's literally like less than what they're putting on reverb. And then they're not charging sales tax. And that's a, you know, saves you six, 7% cause they're not charging that. Um, and then, uh, and then, so there's an advantage there and they're saving fees, which is good. But I've also had it where, um, I had this weird situation once where I bought something off reverb for office store and then I go, the next time I go, oh, I'll just save them the fee. So I bought direct. I had a way different experience than when I had on Reverb. It was almost like them being accountable to getting feedback was a totally different experience. What I mean by is they didn't do anything bad. They just took for, like, I think I'd bought two times from a Reverb. And both times they shipped within hours. I bought it off their website and it took a week to ship. And then when they shipped it, then it, it took it took forever to get here. And then they they like didn't even give me an invoice. It was a really weird experience. Like it was it was definitely like a, they could tell that they were prioritizing the reverb customers. Is how it felt. So I, I try to kind of like I said you have to kind of look at all the situations to find the right one. Okay. All right. All right, hold on. Maybe this is a good time. Maybe it's a good time to do something else. I was going to do something, and I wanted to do it kind of today. So let me pull this up. Give me a second here. I have a call. I don't know if it's a cool idea. It's an idea. So let me go to it. I just want to make sure whatever I'm sharing with you, it's okay. Yeah, I want to do it. Um, I want to share this with you guys. I, I was, I thought this would be fun. Um, uh, here's the story in 2018, my, my channel, 2017, 2017. So I, I kind of decided in 2017, I was going to make YouTube videos. I had put some out in 2016 and I even had a few in 2015 kind of thing. But in 2017, I go, ah, I'm going to make YouTube videos. And I remember going to the, and it could have been 2018 now to think of it. I just can't remember the year. It's got to be 2018. So in 2018, I was flying to Maryland to go to a PRS event. I I, I decided I was going to go to this PRS event, and uh, that's where I met Tim Pearson. And um, what happened was I was in the airport in Dallas. So I had, in Arizona, you know, I flew American Airlines. If you fly American Airlines, you pretty much fly to Dallas. That's our hub. So it was Arizona, Dallas, Dallas to, to Maryland. 
When I was in the layover in the airport, I got this text from Robert Baker, the Robert Baker who has a great YouTube channel and teaches guitar. And he goes, man, I can't believe it. Congratulations. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, he reads like, what's what? I was just on a plane. And he's like, he's like, Jared Dines just did a video. And he said like five YouTube channels you need to watch. And it was yours as one of the channels. And I was like, that's crazy. I was just blown away. And, um, and, uh, so I, I was just like living on cloud nine and, uh, here's, what's funny about that. So I always tell myself like, Oh, I'm gonna do a video about that. Some YouTube channels. And so I thought, well, I got the show. Let's do this. Let's take a, take a, a minute and do this. So I'm going to share some YouTube channels. Cause this is the question I, I get a lot from YouTubers and, and uh, not, I'm sorry. I, this is a question I get a lot from you guys about YouTubers. So let me tell you two things about this at this level of whatever, when I say this level, whatever you think 300,000 subs and whatever you think of me and this channel, what you think this is, I'm going to give you some, some insight in this. First of all, I pretty much don't watch anyone I'm friends with. Uh, they don't watch me. I don't watch them. If you're going to talk to somebody on the phone a couple times a week, you sure don't want to watch their YouTube videos. Right? You're like, you kind of feel like, oh, I already saw them. I already talked to them. I already know what he's up to this week. You're told me. So there is a ton of channels like Dolby Doss or the Tone King or uh, 60 Cycle Hum and Ryan and Single Cycle Hum that I consider them friends and I don't really watch their channels. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I do, I poke in from time to time, but I mean, I'm not really like diehard watching their stuff. It's to me, it's like, they're my friends. So this, what I'm going to share is channels, but I'm going to, first rule is I'm not going to share any channels that I'm friends with. I don't know these people, everybody I'm going to share with you. I don't know them at all. The second thing is, and this is probably hard for you guys to understand because, um, it's really interesting to me on my side, because to me, YouTube gives you so much analytics and, um, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I'm Oracle certified. So if there's one thing I understand, it's reports and analytics. So uh, one of the things in analytics it tells me is it tells me exactly what you guys are watching and who's feeding me videos and vice versa. So I can look and I can I can tell you all the channels on every any given Friday when you go, hey, Phil, did you see this video? I already know you're going to talk about those videos because YouTube's been telling me all week that's where you came from, right? You, you're like, yo, the majority of your audience is watching these videos this week. It tells me the videos, not only the channels, but it says this video, this Trogly video, this uh, Rick, uh, sorry, uh, this Trogly video or this uh, um, uh, uh, Ola England video or Rick Beato video uh, is feeding your channel. And this is what's feeding it. And I'm sure when there's other channels, they can see if I'm feeding them and so on. And so... Um, so I tend to not watch a lot of those channels because <laughs> especially if they do what I do or if anyone's like me, I don't really want to watch that because uh, I'm not really interested in that. So uh, here's what I'm going to share with you. These are channels that I like. So I made some rules. One, I don't know them. That's easy. Two, uh, I don't think they're like my channel. Uh, so that's another thing because I don't want to just show you like, uh, hey, here's another channel like me. <laughs> This is there, and uh, you know, there's something interesting. And also, the most important thing, and kind of in the spirit of what Jared Dines did for me, because when Jared Dines did that, it was a huge deal to me. I mean, he was so big compared to me, so I mean, he's going to have more power to do something. You know, I'm not going to have any power with this channel to help these guys, but not in a level that would make any sense. But uh, you know, it's uh, I want to deal with channels that are smaller. So I'm going to share some channels with you that I like and why I like them, and. Here we go. We're going to take a few minutes into this. Maybe it's fun. Hopefully it's fun. Um, and if I mess up any channel's names, I apologize to those channels.
first channel. This is Andre, or should I say Dr. Andre, uh, I want to say F uh, Flood, right? Dr. Andre Flood. Uh, you can see here he's got 6,000 subscribers. He's uh, he's a new channel. I've watched a bunch of his videos. Um, why I like his channel is uh, I agree with him on like three things and I disagree with him on like seven things. I'm not kidding and I'm kidding at the same time. Uh, he's got a different perspective. He's smart. He doesn't say uh or nothing. Uh, so... <laughs> So one thing that's nice about that for me is it's like, it's nice to watch somebody who actually knows how to talk um, where I don't. So, so it's nice to, to learn stuff. Obviously, I'm sure you guys are going to think I watch him because he's a Parker. Uh, he likes Parkers and obviously I like Parkers too. Actually, that's not uh, it because uh, he's a, from a different style of music. He's more of a technical style. Um, let's go ahead and do that. Look at that. Let me move this around. There we go. Uh, he's a different technical style than I am. And uh, he's got some interesting uh, concepts uh, for videos. Uh, obviously, he's an instructor. Obviously, he's uh, reviewed like Rick Beato's signature guitar. He's reviewed Rhett Shaw's guitar. Um, he does a lot of high-end guitars. That's one thing that some people are not going to be excited about because a lot of high-end stuff. Um, but he also does some cool videos uh, like do you know YouTubers do they deserve signature guitars? And he's doing some stuff... Um, like, uh, where was one? Let's talk honestly about guitar sponsorships and stuff. So it's a cool channel. I like it. I like it because I'm suggesting it to you guys because he's a small channel and he's cool and he's got a different voice. When I say different voice, I don't mean tone, a different voice of guitar. You might get a different perspective. Obviously, he's highly educated and, and he's different than this channel and some of the other channels that I would even suggest um, that, are, that you guys know. Um, he would be different. And um, he does something I like. Sometimes I'm watching it and I go, I don't agree with what you're saying. <laughs> but, you know, he does it with such great, great respect. I don't, you know, it doesn't trigger you or anything. I don't feel like, oh, that guy. You know, I just go, yeah, I get why you think that. And I agree with a lot of stuff. I obviously, like I said, either way, I, I greatly enjoy his show. So I thought I'd share him with you. So I will put links when I timestamp this to this stuff. Um, he's uh, Dr. Andre, Andre Flood. And again, if I'm messing up any of his names, I truly, truly apologize. Um, the next one, I know I'm going to mess up the name. I even asked somebody twice about it. Uh, here's what it is. Ready? It is Psionic. Audio. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong, right. If I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. He's got 29,500 subscribers, so slightly larger channel. Uh, he does amp repair. He also reviews some stuff. That's not his uh, thing, though. I was going to say shtick, right? But it's not his shtick. Obviously, he did a review of these. Look, you see, I watched most of it right there. Um, and uh, I watched some of his videos. I watched some of his QAs. Uh, again, another person that I think I understand where he's coming from. Just like Andre, a lot of like, uh, a lot of, uh, I'm going to go back to me for a second. What, what these channels, they, what they have in common, what I'm really sharing with you guys, these are channels that I hear lots of discussion about the uh, the battle within to be ethical and, and not want to, uh, you know, and, and to be successful. Uh, my, my battle within is I want to be ethical and successful. And those two things are very hard to balance. Uh, it shouldn't be, should be being ethical should make you successful, successful. That is not true. I love people who tell me that. And I appreciate that. Trust me, telling me that I, you feel that I'm ethical is one of the best compliments I ever receive. It's more, more important than anything else to me. Um, because it's the thing that really drives me. 
However, uh, I could tell you honestly, you know, uh, you know, I've watched channels just blow by me like by nothing, and it's literally not from the ethics of it. It's because you know sometimes ethics slow down success. You know, telling some honest truths really do hurt you. It doesn't help you unless you're I seem to be angry about it. If you're angry and honest, then you're somehow honest and successful. If you're just honest about you know, your thought process, uh, some people appreciate it, but it doesn't really uh, attract, attract a lot of people. But anyways, so back to his channel right here that I keep going back to. Um, like I said, if you want to learn a lot about amplifiers, uh, I think he's got a lot to teach. He's got some opinions that are uh, popular. He's got some opinions that are unpopular. He doesn't seem to have a problem saying them. And, uh, and that's important because, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to hear somebody just tell me everything's great. And I don't want to hear everybody tell me everything's crap and they're being screwed because both those, I think, are easy things to say. And I don't think, you know, I tell everybody, everybody always says somebody goes, well, they're they're brutally honest and therefore, you know, they're trustworthy. I find sometimes brutally honest sometimes has the most, most, most nefarious thing behind it because they know brutally honest gets clicks and sometimes they're just saying things to get clicks so even though they're 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 saying this thing no one's else saying they're saying it for the wrong reasons these are not what i feel about these channels so so back to him uh like i said uh i'm pretty sure i'm saying it, it's psionic audio uh if i'm saying it wrong again i apologize um I even watched a, another video of his this week to make sure I got the name right, but then it just sometimes I just you know sometimes these names escape me. But I just want to share this is another channel I really really like, and I'm sharing with you because again, uh, it's not it's like it's like this channel. Both those channels have something in common. I feel like they have a lot of ethics. Although, like I said, the problem with ethics is uh, they tend to say things you're not going to like. So I'm just preparing you. Some some of you guys are going to love it. Some of you are going to hate it. Some of you are going to both it. Uh, uh, both things it. Um, what one more well, should we do one more yeah at least one more i said five but yeah maybe i'll maybe instead of spending 20 minutes on this i'll just do one more um here's another channel i really like this one's uh, uh another small channel when i say small it's medium Twenty-one thousand seven hundred subscribers this is the doug and pat show right here the doug and pat show what can i say about these guys uh, these guys are smart. They know what they're talking about. Like the other two channels I was talking about they're, um, they don't seem to care whether or not they're saying the things or doing the things that are on trend. Uh, this is important, I think, uh, because you're looking, I'm trying to give you guys new perspectives and new channels to look at, uh, that I like and why I like them. And, and, and I think this is important because I'm not saying this, I like them, so you should like them and I'm an influencer and therefore you're, you know, you should be influenced like them. What I'm saying is, is that I'm, I have a perspective that unfortunately most of you do not have, which is I make, I'm on this side of the fence. I make this content so I can tell you, I can tell you when I'm watching other people's content, I can tell you who's more full of crap and less full of crap because I'm on the scene, right? I'm, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's. There's, uh, you know, I'm not here to bash channels ever. Uh, there's no good that comes from that in my experience. But I will tell you this, I'm not stupid. If a company sends me a, hey, we'd like to pay you to do this video. And then next week I see five channels do a video about that. And none of them seem to disclose that this company's sponsoring it. I know it's sponsored. Uh, when I say I know, it's like my gut's screaming because obviously this company's trying to pay me. So why didn't they just pay those guys? They had to have, right? So what I'm trying to tell you is these channels are not those kind of channels. These are the channels that I like 
what they got to say. If you like vintage amps, again, these guys like stuff on the expensive end, uh, but still really cool, uh, really cool guys. This is just chill. This stuff, these guys, in my opinion, should be making a podcast if they do, and I and I don't know about it, I apologize to them right now for saying that. But a lot of these videos, you know, like this 43 or 51 minutes, I hope they're turning this stuff into audio podcasts. Um, you know, I've told you guys many times, and this is my, uh, is that I mention all the time, this show is a podcast. And some people go, what does that mean? <laughs> and it just means that the audio is stripped off this and sometimes edited, you know, because obviously if I'm pointing at too many things, we got to change things if I'm not describing it. And also, you know, sometimes we take certain things out, but mo majority of this, if not all of it goes up on audio and that audio gets, you know, streamed millions of times. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. So people, uh, people consume differently, uh, the video versus audio, and there's something to do that. So sometimes if you have a nice thing to say, even if it's, you know, even if you're pointing at an amp a lot, you just have to be conscious that you have to say what you're doing, you know? So if you notice a lot of times, like I'll point, like earlier when I was pointing, if I point at this guitar, I go, I'm pointing at this John Petrucci Music Man 7 string right now. You have to say that because the audio version, if you said, hey, this guitar, they're like, what guitar? <laughs> they don't know what you're saying. So the only thing is when you strip the audio off, you have to, uh, you have to be, uh, you have to describe what you're saying. Right now, when this goes to podcast, they're going to go, of course, because I mean, the car's going, of course, you, you know, they get it. So uh, there's three. That's three channels I wanted to share with you. Um, I thought I'd make, make, about making a video. Um, the thing is, I find is that when you make a video like that, it never gets any views. And really, to be honest with you, I think uh, a lot of you guys are, are gear geeks like me. And I think the one thing about this podcast you like is there's no fear of talking about, uh, the industry or guitars or whatever. And again, when I say fear, it's not to take the industry down. It's just to say, you know, Hey, let's have an honest conversation about whatever we want to talk about. And I feel like those channels also have those kind of conversations and they're really cool. So check those guys out. Very cool. Uh, and again, more importantly, they all know their stuff. So there's a lot of other channels I could have picked out, uh, too, and I will, there's tons of channels, but like I said, uh, the rules are I'm not picking out my friends and, um, I'm not going to pick out anything that kind of like just regurgitates whatever I'm doing. And, uh, last, uh, what last, uh, I don't know. I like them. That's it. Uh, let's go to the next one. Tampa blues. What do you think of dipped in tone po uh, podcast being sponsored by Sweetwater? Uh, makes total sense. Sweetwater, uh, was going to sponsor this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by patrons. Look, I have a lot of patrons. You guys are awesome. This show is fully sponsored. Uh, I've said that every week. I want you to be very clear. This is a fully sponsored show. It just happens to be sponsored by patrons. I don't understand it. I don't, I've tried, I love it. I love them. I love you guys. The members here are sponsoring it as well. There's members on the page. There's, um, there's, uh, we're almost at a hundred members on YouTube and over 400 members on Patreon. That's 500 members total. 500 people sponsor this show and, uh, they've done it for years. I have, I have hundreds of patrons, no exaggeration. I mean, hundreds that have been on this since the, since the first 100 episodes. So you remember we only put out about 50 episodes a year. So you're doing the math on this. They, they've been following and, and taking care of this. And, and the main thing they get out of it is 
They sponsor the show. That's the main thing they get. They get a couple other little things that I can try to do for them to say thank you, as many thank yous as I can. If I can do a Zoom call, if we can send a packet or a T-shirt or you know a video ahead of time or something like that, that's whatever we can do to give a benefit, to just show gratitude. But the main thing they're saying is, hey, we're sponsoring the show. So it's no different to me. I mean, I, I mean, it's cool to me, trust me, to, to in my opinion, to say, hey, like my, my patrons, my, my viewers sponsor it so the company doesn't have to. But you have to sponsor this kind of content because there's just no no way to there's no money in it. <laughs> this isn't Joe Rogan. This isn't that. You know, these aren't these kind of podcasts. If we did a political podcast or or if we talked about sports, I mean, you'd have a a shot of making some decent money uh, as a podcast. But as a guitar podcast, oh man, it's if you don't find a sponsor, it's just and all those company, all those podcasts I just said have sponsors too. I mean, it's just there's no money in it. Um, I have a, I won't share it. I was going to say, I, I got a thing where I got it paid. It was funny for one of the podcasts. And it was like, I think it was nine cents. Was it? I got nine cents. I remember like, I wanted to frame it. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I got nine cents. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've said this before. Again, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee of this, but in my experience, the, the Sweetwater people are just, they just know who they, who their customers are and they want access to them, which is you guys. They just want access to you guys and they don't really seem to want to manipulate you or trick you because that's not where the money's made. So, so there you go. Uh, okay. SS750F says, we sponsor because people uh, need to hear what you have to say. Well, I appreciate saying that. I don't know if they need to hear what I have to say, but I appreciate that we built this community together. And it's been a long, it's been a long, it's been a long journey. It's been really cool. Like I said, I, I, I would have thought it died years ago. <laughs> I love it when somebody tries to troll me and like, oh, it's going to end one day. And I'm like, ah, it's supposed to already ended. I had no plans for it to go this far. So, um. Uh, so there you go. Um, by the way, a lot of you guys are giving suggestions uh, of other channels based on the channels I recommended, and I will go through those and I will check them out. Like I said, I have other channels I want to uh, uh, share too. And there's just something about, you know, uh, like I said, I can kind of, like I said, I can kind of, I know I feel like I'm beating this dead horse, but I kind of kind of feel when I watch another channel, I can feel like it's not how honest they are. It's kind of like what I told you about Josh Scott and some of the things he said once. And, and, and I, I think anyone who makes content, obviously it's great, right? Makes content. That's fine. But interacting with people to not bring up this, how hard this is not to make content, but to be ethical and be successful. This is a very hard thing to do. And I, sometimes I hear, sometimes it's said so cavalier, you know, either way, you know, um, look, maybe not everybody thinks like me. That's fine. Uh, you, you know, you can be ethical, but there's there's a feeling one day when you look at somebody doing what you're doing, and every, let me let me put it in the best way, and uh, and I'll get off this tangent. I promise. You know, you've been at work and you watch the employee, your coworker, who's not ethical, succeed. Is it gives you obviously you feel great because you're ethical, but it also gives you sadness. And you're like, man, did I make the wrong choice? Look at their success right? I think anybody who is ethical, it's not an easy choice. It's a hard choice. And because it's a hard choice, you struggle with it all the time. 
I recognize that in people's tonality and voices when they're basically saying, hey, look, I don't I don't want to sell out, but I also don't want to do this for free, right? Who wants to work for nothing? Nobody. And who wants to be a sellout? Nobody. <laughs> so at some point, most people, I think sane people have to struggle with where you find that success. And uh, that's my end of that. Uh Okay, hold on. Let's uh let's do some guitar stuff. Uh Hold on. Okay. Let's update this. <clears throat> Try not to cough. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, the next one, as I keep coughing, I'm sorry. It says, happy Thanksgiving to all. I'm thankful for KYG. Thank you for that. Jacob says, just got a classic vibe telly. I love it, but small E string gets snagged underneath the third fret if a slight bend below fretboard is glossed neck though okay so basically what his issue is is that uh, a lot of us have done this okay you're playing your guitar and your high e string catches right underneath the lip of one of your frets and just stays there and sticks there and there's because that's because <coughs> excuse me i apologize i drank some water and i just sipped it wrong um that's because uh, there's a gap between your fret uh, fret and the fret board, and that could be because your neck shrank a little bit and now it's sticking out a little bit, or it could be because the fret the fret lifted a little bit, or maybe they just didn't round off the bottom of the of the fret. Um, how you fix that is you you want it, the correct way to do it is I've got a thousand videos on this where you see me use a fret and dress file, and I just smooth out those edges and uh, just round off the fret. That usually does that. Sometimes you may have to press the fret in with some super glue to make sure that it, 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 it you know, it's back down against the wood. I'd have to know how big the gap is and how big the problem is. It, the only thing that's good news to know is that the problem doesn't have to be very big for it to be a problem. So that's good news, believe it or not, because, you know, if it's a big problem, you got a big fix. But if it's a small problem, it's a little fix. And a small problem is enough for the string to do that. So, um, that's what I would recommend doing first is rounding off that fret, uh, the ends. So it's smooth and there's nothing to catch the string, but also be conscious, take a picture and look at the, the gap to see that the gap's not too big. Um, what I will tell you the problem is, is that you don't want the string to continually catch under there, not only because it's detrimental to your playing and all the other things that go wrong, but each time the fret's catching under there, you're taking the chance that fret's caught. Why do I see fret? Each time the string catches underneath there, it's detrimental because the string can be lifting the fret up and that can be problematic. So what I highly suggest is you get it fixed. You can learn to get it fixed. I have a ton of videos on that. I don't have a specific video on that specific issue. Um, but any of the one of the fret dress videos I do will kind of address that issue because we're doing or take it to a guitar tech and have it done. It shouldn't be very expensive, right? Um, First, if it's if they if you pay for a setup, in most cases you pay for a setup and you that should be addressed with that. That's not kind of like heavy work to do, right? So I would suggest doing that. 
uh, do it yourself or take it in for service, but it needs to be addressed because it's going to, it's, it's one of those things that will just continually get worse. Um, Richard says, what are some recommendations for a vintage routed strat build? I've, I've been considering a Vega trim, uh, or a PRS import. Okay. What are recommendations for a vintage routed strat build? I don't, I don't know if I exactly understand the question. Um, cause you're saying vintage route, like route, I think vintage router, you mean like, like an old, like it's routed out like three single coils instead of humbucker single single or, and then you're talking about bridges. I've been considering the Vega trim or the PRS import. Um, well, if you're talking about bridges, I like the Vega trim way more than PRS import bridge. So that makes that easy. <laughs> I really like the Vega trim. I actually installing a Vega trim on a guitar when I get free time. I was looking at the bridge uh, yesterday when I was doing my Les Paul thinking I was going to get to it and I didn't get to it. And I was filming that. So uh, if that helps, I'm not 100% sure on the question, but I can tell you I like the Vega trim stuff. I like those guys. I like that bridge. So I've installed a bunch. Okay, he's saying on bridges. Yeah, Vega trim. I, I like that bridge. Um, I like Godo bridges as well, so you know, uh, and the Vega trim bridge. I think those are the two. I, I don't know if, I mean, if you look at most of my guitars, I have one of those two bridges in, in there. And more Godos than Vega trims just because it's an easier bridge to get hold of and it's cheaper. Um... It's funny. Here's a, here's a funny, here's a funny thing. Uh, the real one says, would I put a Vega trim in an SE Silver Sky? You know, it's funny is I went to put a Vega trim in my PRS core, uh, model, my silver one. If you re if you remember my original silver, uh, uh, PRS guitar. And, um, cause that, I just didn't love that bridge. And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm gonna put the Vega trim bridge in it. And I thought this would be perfect. And I was going to put a humbucker in the uh, bridge of the silver sky of this, of the core. And, um, that was the, so as you guys know, I had a, I had a gold silver sky, the Mesa gold. I bought that one. And then I had the silver one, but the silver one was sent out by PRS and then to review. And then they let me keep it. And I was like, oh, and that's why I sold it by the way. Cause what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so I go, I want to put the Vega trim in it. And then when I yanked out the bridge, put a Vega trim in it, the, underneath the bridge, the, there was damage to the body. And the, that's why they sent it to me. I'm sure it's because it was a B-stock. And like I guys, I told you guys, a lot of guitars are sent to me, to me because they're B-stocks. And they're like, you know, and that's why they're like, oh, just keep it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, or maybe they didn't know it was damaged underneath the bridge. But it, was, it had this impact uh, underneath the bridge, uh, it, it, you know, damaged dent and stuff in the body. So I couldn't put the Vega trim because the Vega trim is uh, forward more. Uh, and, and it didn't cover as much of the body. So it, it would show the damage. So I put the original bridge in and I go, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I'll get a different one. I got the Mesa gold to put it in there. And then during that long experience, you know, it's what happens. You fall out of love with the guitar. I like the silver one more than the gold one, yada, yada, yada. So the question is, would I do it? Yeah. Why would you do it? You said, would you put it? Oh, would you? Yes, I would. <laughs> I would do it. I like that bridge more than the PRS bridge, uh, than the Strat, the than the John Mayer Strat Bridge. I don't have a problem with that bridge. I just like the Vigatrim Bridge better. So. Okay. Do we have one more question before we go? We hit the hour and a half mark. It's a holiday show. So I'm going to try to keep it a little short. 
<laughs> you know what? Let me do some rapid fire questions. I never tried this. Okay. We're going to try something fun. Let's just see how many questions I can do in like a short period of time. Okay. Ready? Uh, I'm going to mess up names, but I'll get the questions right. Reckon Dog says, what do you think is the better value? E-Art guitar, which is like, I call it ERT, but I found out it's called E-Art. E-Art guitar or Made in Mexico guitar, Mim. Made in Mexico guitar by far. Uh, in fact, I would even say that they're on par when the quality. So as you guys know, I praise the E-Art guitars a lot. But I, I, you know, as much as I've had, I've had complaints about uh, modern Fender problems, look, if you ask me if the last couple E-Art guitars I tried and the last couple Made in Mexico guitars I tried, which one was better qualities, I would say E-Art guitars. If you're asking me what's the better value, the still the Made in Mexico guitars, I would pay before, before if it was money was, you know, I'm going to say money's no option. If you only have 300 bucks and that's all you can get is, and you want a good guitar, just check out E-Art guitar. E-Art, ERT, whatever you want to call it. 300 and something dollars, great guitar, I recommend them. If, you're buying a five, six, seven hundred dollar guitar. Um, I know they have a higher end ER guitar. I've never tried them, but the Made Mexico stuff, that stuff with a setup, you're 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 good and golden. It's going to hold value in the long term. So definitely. Um, uh, okay, Brian, is there much difference between the Seldano Mini Amp and the new Seldano pedal? Uh, to your ear. Uh, here's what's funny about that. I would imagine they're almost identical. Um, I believe Peter Aaron's designed both. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure he designed the amp. He might've designed the pedal. I didn't ask him. So you guys know Peter Aaron's designed the new Bad Cat amps. I'm, uh, I love Peter. Uh, he is a genius. Um, he's uh, uh, he was the guy who designed, uh, redesigned the Seldon amps. He designed a lot of Synergy stuff. He designed the mini Seldon head, I believe. And, uh, and then eventually he, you know, he left, uh, boutique and he's now working for bad cat. Um, so a lot of times you guys hear me say like, Oh, I really like this new product or I like something like, I love the new bad cat amps. You understand there's more to it than just like, I like that stuff. You, I, I tend to know the people in the industry and, um, whether they're friends or I just respect them. Uh, Peter is someone who I just respected for years. I'd say he's a friend cause I like him, but I mean, you know, I don't talk to him on the regular. I just, I, so I, I think more accurate should say I respect him more than we're friends. Although I'd like to be his friend, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, so to answer your question, are they the same? I would imagine they are same, but of course there's a big difference between playing a class D, uh, amplifier with this cell. Like, let me put it this way, Brian, if you took that Seldano pedal and stuck it into the return of that amp, uh, the mini Seldano amp, would it sound the same? I bet you it would sound pretty, pretty darn close. But, um, if you gave me a choice between those two, I would pick the pedal because I could sh shove the pedal in front of a, of a bigger amp. That'd be the choice. I don't know. Um, or by both, you know, it's one of those things where normally I would want to tell you as a, as a, as a piece of advice, like I'd buy both, but don't buy both, buy the real thing. But the real thing, the cheapest thing you can get your hands on Saldano wise in the new world is a SLO 30, which is $3,000 or 20 something hundred dollars used. And, uh, so to me, if I was going to get, if I couldn't afford a Saldano, cause I couldn't, you know, so I, like I said, I, the one I have is through a friendship through Joe, um, the mini head would be a good way to satisfy that. The pedal's a great way to satisfy that running an amp. Uh, you know what I'd be curious of better than your question. Here's an answer is, uh, if you go on reverb, you can tend to find astro verbs all the time for about a thousand bucks. Uh, if you guys don't know the astro verb is a Seldano head. It's a one channel head. It is made in the USA. It's made by Seldano. Uh, they make combos, they make heads. It's like a really great clean amp with reverb 
And it's like I said, Made in USA and Saldano. You, it's called the Astro Verb. You t- used to get them for no money. It's, people started pushing them up, but now the market's kind of swinging back down again. Thousand bucks seems to be reasonable. You get that amp, that clean clap platform, that cool Saldano, you know, logo on it, the whole nine yards. You have a real Saldano amp. You stick that SLO pedal in front of it, you got an SLO as far as I'm concerned. Uh, close enough, close enough for what would be twelve hundred ish dollars right? For the pedal and the amp in. If you could do that, that's something I would recommend. I'd like that. Um, but uh, no, if I, like I said, uh, they're pretty much going to be the same, the, the mini head and the pedal, but I would imagine the pedal is cooler because you can plug it in front of another amp. Um, okay. Well, a couple more quick, 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 quick ones. Ready? Then we'll call it. Um, Alvaro says, looking into a forever combo amp, but torn between the new Black Cat or Tone King Imperial Mark II. Um, I do have a Helix. Which one I love? What would you What would you do? Okay, so I've had both those amps. The Black Cat, obviously I have that currently, and the Tone King Imperial Mark II, which is a fantastic amp. Um, they are totally different amps. I mean, so that's the hard part right there. The Tone King Imperial amp is essentially a, if you watch my review, it's a tweed amp. It's a two-channel amp. It's a tweed amp, and it's Fender Tweed, and it's the Fender 65 Deluxe Reverb. You can kind of, the magic of those two amps, both are fantastic. And then, of course, the Black Cat is kind of like this big kind of version of a Fender. Uh, it's not a Fender 65 Deluxe, but it's kind of a big version of it, you know, with more mids and more throatiness. And then, of course, this Marshall-y chronic crunch to it. So that's what's really cool. Um the other thing about that is the price wise, the black cat is cheaper and not that that matters, but, um, I got to tell you like the logic, I, if I was going to have one, I would have the black cat and the black cat uh, is, um, a little less expensive. And I like these kind of questions because I have no, I have no agenda here. I am friends with the boutique amp guys and I'm friends with the bad, uh, bad cat guys. They're both great guys. I both have tons of their amps and I, I love and support both those guys. But as much as I love the Tone King Imperial too, which is a fantastic amp, if I was only going to be able to have one of those amps for me, it would be the black cat. One thing I would caution you though, is that you have a helix that you didn't say anything, but if you love it, if you're looking for a platform amp, uh, the bad cat will do it great. The, the black cat, bad cat will do a great platform amp, but maybe the tone cream would be more your, your, uh, seasoning. Cause it's more clean. You know, it's just more about a clean amp and less about being a all in one thing. The, the, what I love about the bad cat black cat is, is I have not yet <laughs> shoved any pedals in front of it. I don't need to. I just plug in that amp and it's done. I got a great overdrive sound. I got a great clean sound. I got awesome reverb. I have everything I need in life. That amp, I mean, it's just um, one-stop shop done. So that's what it is. The Imperial was like a lot of cool things going on, but it wasn't everything. Like I'll play metal on the Black Cat. I'll play rock. I'll play blues. I'll play country. I'll play, you know, clean. I'll play whatever. I'll play polka music on it. Uh... Okay. Uh, Red-eyed flutist says, how do you clean the inside of your guitar? Hard case. It smells bad over time. I was told you can get these charcoal bags, uh, even at the dollar store. It's like some kind of charcoal filter packs and you can throw them in there. I've never tried it, but uh, I suggested because it's inexpensive and I keep keep hearing about it. Um, Okay. Let's do, let's see if I can do another one. 
Uh, trick or treat, Phil, please. Supersonic 60, reliable, good in your opinion. I do not feel like the Super 60, Supersonic 60 is as good as the 22. Is it reliable? It's probably more reliable than the Supersonic 22 in, in the idea that I think older Fender stuff, older being in the last 10 years, is better than newer Fender because obviously, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of drama with Fender and the idea that their employees aren't happy. You know, they're working them hard. They're not paying them enough with the inflation and stuff. So that has an effect on product. I mean, it just does. And so I think the older ones will be better. But here's the here's the thing about that. Uh, Supersonic 60. Uh, I don't like the head because the Supersonic 60 head doesn't have reverb. And I kind of want reverb. If you get the Supersonic 60 combo, it does have reverb. Here's my problem. I don't think the clean on the Supersonic 60 is as good as the Supersonic 22. And I think the distortions are about the same. They're both very good. So... I like the Supersonic 22 over the Supersonic 60. Just my thought. Um, but you can get Supersonic 60 sometimes less for Supersonic 22s. And if money is an issue and you want to just kind of grab something, I wouldn't say you'd be miserable with it. Okay. Trick or Treat AZ says, I sold my Astroverb. He sold his ass. No, he sold his Astroverb Saldano years ago and missed it. I paid $700 in snakeskin. Yeah, it's a great amp. I, I had mine. I got mine for... Like eight, nine hundred bucks, you know, uh, really good. I ended up selling it at the peak when they were like probably 14. I don't remember. I just remember we made a couple hundred bucks on it uh, when I sold it. But I sold it because obviously I got the SLO 30. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see if I can do one more. Okay, let's see if I can grab the one last ones. Hold on. Okay. Um we stocked Seldano. Okay, you're talking about this. That's you guys are making I'm looking for questions. I think that's it. I mean, if I grab one right now, it'd be just. I think that's it for questions. Hmm. All right. So there you go. I, go, I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. I have a video, uh, I believe, comes out tomorrow or Sunday, uh, which will be cool. Um, it's a really impressive $300 guitar that I'm blown away by. And. Uh, and uh, the one thing that's really impressive is it's an amazing $300 guitar that's a brand name, which is a shocker. Usually you're like, oh, $300 guitar, you think it's going to be one of these new brands or one of these brands that are not huge brands. This is a huge brand name. Super impressed. I bought this because I've been eyeballing it since January when they released it. I thought it was really cool. So that video should be this weekend. Um, and then there's a, uh, there's a couple of videos that are uh, coming out this week that I'm excited about. And so I hope you guys are interested in those as always. And, and uh, like I said, if you guys want to check out the Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we're putting a lot of stuff there we used to not put. So I hope you guys enjoy that as well. But the rest of you guys, I hope... Uh, uh, <laughs> Ryan's like, when's the next video coming? I, it's, I have to edit it. <laughs> That's it. I just have to edit it. Um, and uh, anyways, I thank you guys for hanging out on this uh, Black Friday. I hope you guys have the rest of the holiday weekend. If you're not holiday weekend, I just hope you have a great weekend. And as always, I want to thank you guys so much uh, for hanging out. And until the next time, know your gear. <laughs>